Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Stuart James. He's a hip-hop artist born and raised in St. Michael on the Spirit Lake Reservation in North Dakota. Hip-hop has always been a voice for the oppressed. Life on the reservation can be ugly and beautiful at the same time, and Stuart encourages listeners to find the good in every situation, regardless of how difficult life gets. Stuart is a boxing coach, a community organizer, and a songwriter. He founded the Tehuahe Clothing Brand and the Tehuahe Day, which is a family day of youth and community for the Spirit Lake Reservation. Tehuahe Day consists of 300 basketball tournament, live music, and a free cookout, and he hopes to bring this event to more communities in the future, whether it's on the reservation or not. Stuart was recently featured in a full-length documentary titled Oyate, presented by Films with a Purpose in association with Relevant Media and Lakota People's Law Project. Oyate has been nominated for Best Film at the Big Sky Film Festival in Montana and has received the 2022 Audience Choice Award at the North Dakota Environmental Rights Film Festival in Fargo, North Dakota. Stewart's music helped bring the film an interesting perspective through the form of hip-hop, which brought a modern voice to the documentary. And I think that's one thing that really brought uh, him to this program was the, the positivity and the hopefulness that his music had in that film. Um, and then, of course, speaking with him, I realized that he would be a great fit for this program. So let's jump into this conversation with Stuart James. Stuart James, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. I'm very excited. So. <laughs> thank you for having me. So uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your backgrounds, where you're from, and, and some about you. So uh, I'll introduce myself in the Dakota language. Um, I'm a from the Maniwakanoyate, the Spirit Lake Nation in North Dakota here. Um, and I'm a hip hop artist, um, boxing coach, content creator, um, youth mentor, community organizer, a lot of different things that I try to dabble in. So, um, but I'm 29 years old, um, grew up on the Spirit Lake Reservation and just really, really been trying to create a positive route for a lot of the youth and community members and um, wherever I'm at. So that's a little background on me. So, your your music career, your your boxing, um, the the coaching and everything, the supporting that you've been done. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, well, overall your influences? Um, who's kind of been the 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 inspirations in your life? Yeah. So, um, starting in life, it's always been my mom and dad because they um, when my mom and dad got together, my dad was. Um, you know, he was in his first year of sobriety, I believe. And then my mom had just quit drinking. So they were both like on the path to recovery. And then when they got together and, um, you know, they ended up getting married and then they started their family. 
with uh, me and my brothers and they took in a lot of people over the years um, raised a lot of our friends and stuff they would let them stay at the house and they would feed everybody and to me I always thought that it was it was so normal for us to see that and then as I got out and seen the world I realized how uncommon that really is in a lot of places so to me like that that was like the first form of inspiration I remember my dad he was a he was a cop. Um, my mom worked BIA. She was a corrections officer. So we kind of grew up in like a strict household, but they never like sheltered us. And um, they were very, very, they disciplined us quite a bit, but they were always helping us understand why, why we got, you know, spanked or why we got in trouble. Um, and they really pushed everybody with education. So every one of my brothers and sisters, like we all have, you know, at least um a GED or a high school diploma so um you know and, and to me that was just it was beautiful to see that that push now that I'm older I realize how hard that really is to actually do that and um so that was like my first life's inspiration um and but musically one of my biggest inspirations is Kanye West and I know there's a lot of lot of different mixed emotions about him but the one thing is like he's very human and he represents to me he represents humanness at its highest and lowest points because it's like he worked for everything that he has but he also has a lot of you know he had breakdowns and stuff like he's very human and he admitted that you know he needed help so to me i just believe that there's a lot of a lot of humanness with him um most deaf was one of my favorite rappers like the way that he was able to flow very smoothly it was almost like he was on a wave or like on a boat when he raps over songs and um Nas I was I always loved the the rappers that spoke the truth on their realities and spoke about where they're from and then um just so, yeah like there a lot of real real hardcore hip-hop was always like a big thing for me um I always wanted to be a great writer before anything so I always tried to respect the craft of hip-hop um, rather than just be another rapper you know I always kind of correlate that with Native American culture where you know we get mad at white people for wearing headdresses which is understandable but at the same time we we kind of do that when we say native hip-hop it's like we're taking someone else's culture and putting feathers on it and saying it's ours now oh interesting and um so to me it was always like we need to respect that culture because hip-hop is a culture it's not just rap it's you know they have break dancing djing MCing. so they have their own culture that they created through it and it was you know a voice of oppression so to me it was like i remember hearing a few things from you know a couple older people wouldn't really say elders but certain people would criticize me for rapping you know like they would say that i i'm trying to be a black guy and it's like no because oral tradition is really uh is ours yeah we tell stories we talk a lot we learn a lot of things through talking not text so it was like what's so different about me talking about the stories of where we're from or giving people insight to our lives through telling it like what's the difference you know and but it was just like the fact that it was hip hop. It wasn't, you know, and so it just made people look at it in a in a certain way that they didn't really understand. It was like you said earlier, like an old perception, mm -hmm. and 
So that was kind of like the influences music wise and life wise that kind of helped me become who I am today right now. So I, I like to think that I'm proud of who I become, even with all the mistakes and stuff, because a lot of my favorite people in the world have all taken responsibility for mistakes or actions. And so I try to be that way as well. So yeah. with um you know, within the the rap tradition, that comes from a place of social engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, these were artists that were speaking truth to community issues that weren't being resolved or they were addressing uh, not so much public grievances, but they were uh, authority. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think like, you know, NWA, obviously they're famous for you know f the police and um they got a lot of flack for it which is like very understandable um from a community that doesn't understand where they come from and that's to me it helped open my eyes just to seeing both sides of the realities like in one side of this city there's a there's something going on that we don't see and on that side of the city they're looking at our side where they don't see our side. So it's two people who don't see, don't understand each other. And that's where the conflict lies, where it's like, instead of looking at what they said and, and condemning them for what they said, it's like, try to, why don't you want to understand why they're saying that? It's like, it's like, how could you say that? But in reality, you should be looking at the reason. Well, maybe our police are doing something wrong for somebody to make a record about that and put it out there publicly like maybe there really is something going on. And that's that kind of helped me gr growing up realize both sides of the story because there's times where I've been, you know, been at fault in some people's eyes where I get blamed for something and a lot of people would believe that. But it's like, you don't know my side. So it's like, why is that? Why, are, why is everybody so quick to just jump to a side? You mm -hmm. know, and that's, I believe that's the problem with our country in, in general is like just no understanding of high class, low class, middle class. Like we don't understand each other enough. And because we're not, we're not having conversations, we're having debates on why who's right and who's wrong rather mm -hmm. than understanding everything as, as a whole. Um, but, you know, like I have a song called Power on the White House and like the, the hook is very catchy. Um, the, the beat is very modern. So it's like, you know, it's a modern day hip hop song, but there's a lot of messages in it. Like uh, on, the, on the second verse, Jimmy C, he's an artist that I know. He's from Poplar, Montana. And to me, he's one of the greatest writers that I know. And one of the lines that he had in there was, um, he said, um, it's hard to have discourse when we have discord and our heroes always killed yours. And um, there's another line where he said, uh, he said uh, something about never mentioned in school. And he said, I think 38 Sioux with their neck in the noose, never mentioned in school, all the evil stuff that presidents do. Or if you knew all the evil stuff that presidents do, you'd be um, you'd be an enemy too or something like that. And mm. I just think like the whole message behind it is like, this is why we're upset with this country. This is why we feel the way we feel. And in my verse that um, I had said, um, you know, identified by my enrollment number. My ancestors felt the coldest summers. Stripped of our rights, were confined in a camp. Reservation living is designed like a trap. 
The government is foul, heartless, and deceitful. They made a policy for the removal of my people. Women and children murdered as they were defenseless. My people lay dead in mass graves and trenches. And like the whole thing is really just giving insight to the things that we've had to, our people have had to experience over the last, you know, couple hundred years. And it's even deeper than that. So it's really like the whole is just addressing our side of it. So it's like, understand this, you know, because uh, from my understanding, I've heard that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but like our enrollment numbers, they say are like prison camp numbers, like the 301U is actually like in the national database or something. I've heard that it's actually prison camp like number. I don't know how true that is. I've heard that from a few different people, but um, it's like an interesting perspective because if that is the case, then we're still technically POWs to this day. So it's like, it's kind of interesting how they give us like dual citizenship, but we're still a prisoner under that. <laughs> under that classification. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's so interesting. Um, you know, like that's, that's what I use the music for. That's what I use hip hop for to be able to address certain things like that to um, more or less give people insight that might not know anything about natives. So it's really just to tell stories and give our side because you know, we've we've always been silenced over the years and we're at a point now in, in life where and in society where, you know, there's so many outlets for content that you you're not going to, you know, you're not going to silence us anymore. So yeah. Spot on. Um I was just listening to an interview uh today about how um within our politics, uh whether you're on the right or you're on the left. Uh, they understand that about 70% of everybody agrees on most things. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone's become so decisive, divisive now yeah. where they want to one-up each other. And so they end up vilifying everybody so that they could take the most power. Yeah, And it's, it's silly because in the end, they don't get things accomplished and it just perpetuates this <laughs> fight between people. No, I, I definitely can see where that comes from because it's like when you have... Even on the res, when you go to GA, General Assemblies, you know, it it almost turns into everybody's airing out their grievances rather than finding solutions to problems. It's like, you know, there's there's therapy for that. <laughs> there's counseling for that. There's talking circles for those things. I, don't, I just don't think, I think that if you're a leader, you leave those things at home because what does that accomplish for anybody when you're just over here expressing, inventing to the council members about, something somebody did to you or mm -hmm. said to you it's like you're in a you're a public figure you're in the eyes of everybody everybody's gonna have opinion about you so it's like if you're not ready for that then maybe you shouldn't be in that position um or maybe you should learn how to deal with it or like i said there's therapy for that there's certain there's a lot of different outlets for that um but it definitely has become a place where nobody's agreeing anymore because everybody just wants to sound they just want to sound off and um, I've been in I've been in different conversations with people who just love to reiterate things that you've already said just with bigger words, and it's like you just repeated what I said in just you know at a college level essay <laughs> vocab you know like and I just think that every you know um, people want to be right people want to be mad people want to have a voice on everything nowadays that where it's hard for people to sit in a room. And just listen. You know, yep. I have my brother is a very good listener. 
because he's somebody who you can vent to, you can talk to, and he'll sit there and he'll, he's really interested in what you're saying. And he really listens to you and he doesn't try to put his input in right away. You know, like a lot of people are waiting, they're waiting to respond and they're not listening. And I feel like that's in politics, in local government, tribal government. I just believe that it's a lot of, you know, um, people just want to sound right. People just want to sound more intelligent than the next. And I think that's, if that's like that, that's kind of a reflection of their leadership too, because it's like, you just want to look the part and, you know, not to say that like there, there's people like that, but I mean, you definitely, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that at different levels where people just want to be that way. <laughs> so it makes it hard for everybody to kind of come together and unify on decisions or agreements and stuff. So, um, yeah, it makes it makes it tough when people don't want to listen. People don't want to hear each other out. They just want to talk over each other. So, let's uh, let's talk about your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I I use the word career for a lot of artists because yeah. you know they uh, they certain they start at certain points and there's different events along the way. Yeah. Um, but can you talk about yeah your career as an artist? Yeah. So uh, I started writing in 2009 when I was in high school, I believe I was a sophomore. And um, because I remember at one point I just started writing emotions, I started writing how I felt about certain, almost like journaling. And then I was looking at that and I was like, hey, let me try to like, and I, I accidentally like rhymed something. Like I wrote something, something, and then something, something, and then both wrote, like, as I read it back, it was like a rap almost. And I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. I was like, it's kind of easy. And like, I started doing it over and over again. And it was a lot of like average stuff. It wasn't like stuff that I would actually like, put on a song or anything, but I just kind of fell in love with that writing aspect of it. Um, I'm really OCD on stuff. So I like everything really organized. So for me, it became like a satisfactory thing of like writing out stuff and then just seeing it on a page looked really nice. So it started turning into that. Then it started turning into like, Oh, like this is actually like rap. <laughs> and then, um, I had a group of cousins back home in spirit. Lake. um, I remember one of my, one of my little cousins showed me, um, he was on the radio and he was playing like KBU 90.7. That's our station over there. And, and I remember they were playing a song and uh, and it sounded really like obviously really like novice but uh, my cousin was like yeah this is uh and he named off two of my cousins I was like like no it's not and I was like really listening and I was like oh that is and he was like yeah they rap and I was like so I remember I got in contact with my cousin and I started telling him that I wanted to and I went over there I had a notebook and I started like kind of sharing some of it with him for the first the first time ever rapping was in front of him and I remember I was like, I just tried, I just doing it. And then we started working together, started doing a lot of shows, started doing a lot of music. I learned how to record over there. And um, we traveled to like Minnesota, South Dakota, um, and just started doing more like little shows. And then eventually I started, ended up branching off and started doing my own thing. And then just started making my own music and, and doing the same thing, the same kind of grind, get on a show and go up, show up there, get some more supporters, go home. And I was working at the time too. So it was like, I would work at the casino and then I would take my check and go to a show. And it was like, I funded my own career for, you know, even up to this point, I still do. So, um, it's just like the grind of it really. And, and it was kind of cool because there was a lot of, a lot of cool opportunities along the way. I remember when 
um, no dapple during that time i had made a song about the the movement and um i ended up working with taboo from black eyed peas over there and uh he invited me out to la so me and one of my good friends we both uh me and my brother we all went out to los angeles and we got to go to hollywood this is the black eyed peas studio got to go into like each of their personal studios and um and it was cool because I got to record a song with him in there and then did a couple did a couple songs actually and um when I was in LA I realized that even at the highest level there's still a lot of work there's still a lot of un unsurety about the next like the next thing and it's just like it, and it, and it kind of showed me that it's like is this what I'm working for like I thought there was like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and it's like there's not <laughs> it's just a never-ending grind you know and it's like in rap there's no 401k there's no retirement plan so it's like i started learning like i have to get good at other things so um through the music i started learning how to do my own videos i started learning how to um work cameras and then uh eventually started shooting my own videos, editing them, learning all the softwares and everything, learning, expanding more into recording too. So, um, and then cool thing that happened was in 2019, at the end of 2019, I got to go to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico and worked with, uh, his name's Ben Leadham from, he, he runs Three Feathers Star Quilts. And um, at that time he, he, I mean, he still is good friends with Adam Beach. So, he held an event and Adam Beach was the one hosting it. So I got to go out, um, performed. And then after the show, Adam had, uh, he came up to me and he was just like, wow. Like he was just like, it was kind of funny because it was like I was starstruck meeting him. And it was like after he saw me rap, it was like he was like starstruck. So it was like, it's great. <laughs> it was like, huh? But um, yeah, I remember. Um, after that, you know, like he followed me on Instagram and I mean, even to this day, like, you know, he gave me his number and stuff. So like every now and then I'll have a conversation with Adam Beach. <laughs> so it's like a lot of contacts have been made throughout the years um, through the music. But it's also like just realizing that, you know, my perception of things was that you you make it to a high level, you get signed and they're going to take you somewhere. But I realized that the independence is really the way to go because it's like, especially with natives, it's like there's no market for us right now in the in the highest levels. Luckily, though, uh, there's a young guy named Travis Thompson, I believe, from the west or from the yeah from the west coast, like Seattle area, I think. And he's on. He has a song with like Jeezy and stuff. Like he's a pretty big name, young, but he's native, and so he kind of tapped into that element of making music for you know just more universal music, uh, hip hop. And so it's like the avenues are starting to open up. But at the time when I went to L.A., there wasn't really an avenue for any any artists that were native because our styles, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, like Joe Dirt. Like, you know, we can't be selling snakes and sparklers <laughs> like we have to we, we can't be selling like feathers and beadwork. Like we have to really, really be good at, you know, the writing. We have to really, really be good at learning how to make music and not just you know, making things sound like using, you know, powwow drums and everything. Like we actually have to make music to, to make it. So I kind of redirected a lot of things, refocused a lot of things. And that's kind of where I'm at now is making music that's true to me, but also 
in, incorporating certain things like values like i try not to cuss you know i try not to degrade women because that's just not who i am but i know a lot of other rappers who come from similar circumstances from the reservation that do rap like that and it's just like interesting to see but i've always just tried to be true to myself so that's kind of where a lot of the a lot of it has led to that um to where i'm at is just being who i am genuinely so you know if there's anything that people listening want to take away from this is really like you are unique in your own way you have your own light you have your own energy and when you try to emulate others you lose yours and it's like when you emulate others people like you for that they like you for what you're emulating so it's like you're not really being you people aren't knowing you but that's what separates you from everybody else is being you and when you do that it is scary at first because you don't know how people are going to react to it like some of the music i put out would never be played in clubs will never be played in like certain you know spaces but i don't make it for that i make it because i'm like this sounds cool to me and apparently a lot of other people feel that same way so but it's just like your energy can you know it can encapsulate other people without even trying and um everybody has that with whatever it is they're good at in life like there's dancers that steal the show and stuff so it's you know we're all we all have an energy and I think if we learn to embrace that, you know, that's what's going to create spaces for natives in, in all avenues. So that's kind of like the way that I think. That's the way I've always thought. So you, you've talked about, um, you know, going out to the West Coast, uh, making connections uh, mm -hmm. up in Seattle and, and opportunities that are happening back home. How have opportunities presented themselves to you and what, what do you look for? when things are, things are brought to you? Mm -hmm. um, well, there's certain opportunities, speaking opportunities, or, or uh, like, you know, I've been asked to host certain events, like at colleges and stuff, I've been asked to just, just speak, just to, you know, just to give insight, um, or even like music performances. I've had people ask, hey, we're doing a show, um, it's for the youth, can you come through and do, you know, 20 minutes set, 30 minutes set, and, and it's like, yeah. So um, I've been asked by a lot of people to do a lot of different shows, different, uh, been asked to do videos for other people. So um, those opportunities, they come like in due time. And I think like, you know, there is an intent of, you know, like needing to survive money wise. But over the years, I've just learned that when you just do good things, like things work out for you. You know, it's without even trying, you know, it's like sometimes you might, you might have $20, you go try it at the casino and you hit $500, you know, but you were stressing for two weeks about how this is going to get paid, how that's going to get paid. And then things like that just sort of happen. So I just believe that I've always done things with a good intent. And then that brought a lot of good things my way. Um, so that I, I just try to take advantage of every opportunity. Like we, um, you know, me and my fiance, we drove out to Cleveland for the screening of the documentary that was featured here, Oyate. Um, we got to speak on a panel, uh, with the directors and stuff. And then two days after that, or, or day after that, we drove to Detroit and we opened for Snotty Nose Res Kids. They're a group from Canada, rap group. They're, they're pretty popular. And, um, so we got to go do that. Uh, me and my, my buddy, his name's Selfie. He's from Southwest Detroit over there. And he, um, you know, he's one of the native guys over there. So, um, 
you know, it's like that long of a drive, you know, it's, it was about a 16 hour drive to Cleveland. Then we drove back three hours to Detroit and then back home. And we did the Detroit to home all in one shot. So it's like, we drove close to 30 hours, you know, like within a matter of like three days. Mm -hmm. And last summer, uh, my fiance and I, she walked in a fashion show down at Indian market in Santa Fe. I had a show that night in Santa Fe. So it was like, drove you know 20 some hours down 20 some hours back within a matter of a few days so um you know but those things are very necessary so it's like because it's like you get opportunities like that and when you go down there it might expand into more mm -hmm. so it's 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 to me I, I like um i like the gamble of it because it's like i love what i do so if i go down there and i'm, I'm not losing either way i'm going down and i'm performing that's kind of the goal and then I'm coming home and I have a little more life than I did before, you know, and then, but if something does come from it, then that's even better. So, um, just taking advantage of every opportunity that comes and not being picky, but there are certain things where you do have to kind of like look at it and be like, is this really worth it? You know, just, just for where I'm trying to be at. It's like you, way I did it was I just took advantage of everything. You know, one year I wanted to do a show a month and I did that but they weren't shows that really actually progressed my career. They were just like bar shows. They were like just small time shows that were, that really didn't really benefit anything. I mean, it helped me with my stage presence, my performance, but so it's not like they were complete losses, but it didn't really progress me in a way that, that I was looking for. So, you know, at some point you have to start figuring out what it is you want to do, where you want to go with it, and then start, you know, taking those opportunities that actually will get you there. So that's kind of where, um, over the years, I had to learn how to limit my my um, my yeses to everything. So, yeah. <laughs> what would you say to the eighteen to twenty two year old that's listening to this conversation? Um, you don't know everything. <laughs> you might think you do, but um, life's a lot harder than you really than than it. Life can be really tough, but it doesn't always have to be. Um, learn, listen, uh, listen to your elders mainly. Um, they all, you know, we, when I was that age, I, I used to think that I had it figured out. I thought that I knew what I was doing. And now that I'm 29, it's like, I look back and I realize I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought I did. And I think if I had a little more patience with things back then, um, you know, I think that I would have avoided certain situations and hardships that I've had over the years. But I would definitely say that to them is just, you know, humble yourself and realize that, you know, there's a lot of learning still left to do. And, you know, like you're you're just now becoming an adult. So it's like try to, you know, build some stability in your life before you decide to go all in with something you know it's like explore your options because you have you know you have many years to, to figure out what it is you want to do don't pressure yourself into doing something right now because you know it's like some people get tattoos that you know they can't erase that we have in their girlfriend's name on them boyfriend's name on them and it's like that's forever right there <laughs> you know just think a little more be a little smarter about decisions <laughs> So where can where can our listener find you? So I actually uh, learned over the years how to distribute music. Um, I used to do it on SoundCloud all the time because that was kind of like the platform for a lot of rappers. But 
Um, I distribute my music onto every streaming source. So whether it's uh, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, all the every platform you could pretty much think of that streams music. Um, that's where you could find me at Stuart James, S-T-U-A-R-T James. Um, Instagram, Stuart James Music. Uh, there's pretty much every avenue of music streaming sources. It's on there. So I have um, about... I think I have three albums out right now on all those platforms and the, the music ranges, but it's, it's all very, um, just true to myself, the expression and stuff. So some people really like the, the deeper songs like Tiwahe or Powell in the White House, but you know, there's, there's something for everybody on there. So it's very, very wide range of music. Well, we'll put links in the show notes, uh, so they can uh, find you on mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah, that would be that'd be awesome because the other thing too is like being independent. Um, you know, as far as the streaming goes, it's like you get paid a fraction of a penny every time somebody listens. So it's like you have to put up, you know, a lot of numbers to actually make a decent living off of it. But one thing that's nice though is just the progression because like over the years, um, I would go from looking at the account, you know, and, and it would have zero dollars, and I'd have five six songs up and it's like they'd be they were i remember at one point i only had a few songs up for like a year and i made like two dollars and it was like ew but now um you know almost every two weeks it's popping up to about thirty dollars every two weeks just off of just streams Hmm. and um so that's kind of like very nice to slowly see those numbers start going up because at, at some point eventually you know it might be hundreds coming in every every week and that's just like nothing is overnight you know everything everything took time it took time to build you know the the platform on spotify getting it out there getting listeners and all that so and i never had money to put up for you know to promote myself on social media or anything so it's all just been very organic with the people that i meet and um so it's very like i'm very appreciative of that because without people listening it's like you know i it, it it does give motivation when you know people are actually listening and looking forward to your next song that's coming out and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that, that momentum, um, there's really something to that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, if it wasn't for the continuous work that you're doing, it wouldn't have, uh, made it to certain people who came to me and said, Hey, you need to be on this podcast. You know, yeah. you need to talk to this guy. And of course, you know, you're in the film Oyate mm-hmm. uh, about Standing Rock and what was happening out there. Yeah. And that was that was a great representation of, of, of you and the work that you're doing in yeah. that film. Well, the, 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 the nice thing about that film that I always uh, applaud the filmmakers for, Brandon and Ben, I just love the way that they let us talk. You know, most documentaries, you always have the the narrator who is usually of lighter pigmentation (laughs) and they're always like coming in and you know they're they're taking notes of what we say and then telling it for every for the audience well nice thing i like about this film was that they just they step back and put the camera on on the natives and let them talk and tell their own story And, and that way it like you said it represents who we are as people when you got chase and phyllis talking and ruth and um just watching that is very, very cool. It's very, very empowering to see all the people in there um, because you could see the energy, you can see the the joking, you can see all of, of who we are as people. And I just, I really love that because I don't think there's ever been a documentary that felt like a film, that felt like a movie, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was just cool the way that all of it, 
the way they tied everything together and it was just really really i think it might be one of the greatest um representations of of natives because it is all natives in there <laughs> absolutely absolutely you you would never know that it was uh directed by non-natives yeah. you know the amount of respect and they were very delicate in how they did that mm -hmm. it was great and the one thing i like too is that the, you know like jen martel the one of the producers she they constantly asked for her input and that's very rare where you know like some people would rather you know that is a lot of work to to put together to cut together a 10 minute segment and then you send it to somebody they're like no it's like, well, now what? Now I got to redo it. And so like that, that takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort. And so I really applaud those guys for, for being able to make something that good and in, in, in the way that they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jen is a former guest on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to associate with her, it's really great. Yeah. You know? She's very awesome. I, I like her energy where it's like no BS, but it's also not super strict. You know, like she, she, when it's time, she knows the time and place for, if it's time to work, it's like, get out of my way. <laughs> but if it's time yeah. to like relax, like she can joke with everybody and then just really, I really like her energy. It's beautiful. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really great conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope that everybody listening can go stream the music, but also just really try to, you know, take those steps to become better, better human beings because, as natives, like we have the title of Native American, but you know, like John Trudell said, we're all just human beings at the, you know, at the, at the root of it. And, um, you know, I lost my mother recently in uh, February, about a week and a half before my birthday. And, um, you know, that really changed my life. And it's making me realize that as people, we, we need to really learn how to heal. And, um, you know, my song Tiwahe, the, the first line in there is imagine what would happen if our people, uh, came together, learned how to heal and overcame the pain forever. It's like, imagine how Standing Rock is a great example of that during No Dapple. You know, it's like, I just hope that, you know, whoever's listening can be inspired by the idea of healing and understand that it's, it's not an event, it's a process. You know, it's something that you have to continuously go through. But at the other end of it, it's like, we deserve to be healed. We deserve to be happy. And so does like everybody's children. So do all our people. We all deserve that. So, you know, in conclusion, I just hope that everybody can, can find that, that peace in their life and slowly start their healing process to enjoy life more and see the sunshine a little bit more um, rather than the dark days. So that's kind of my closing right there. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. That's what I mean, like the... The, the platforms too is like you know for natives there's not a platform for us so it's like it's nice to see people like yourself creating one for like the native people out there because um i don't think we have enough of that out there we don't we don't i wish there was 20 other people doing this you know <laughs> yeah and, but, you know in time yep in time for sure and that does it for this episode of five plain questions i want to thank Stuart james again for his time and sharing his story with us his his message of, of hope uh, really comes through his work and uh, you know it was through his film Oyate it's when I really picked up on what he was doing and I so appreciated uh, his approach and his messaging and this conversation was really touching and it was something I really connected with and so you know um, 
I really hope to see him in the community doing the good work that he's been doing. And I think, um, yeah, I think he's he's got a good road ahead of him. Uh, he's he's done a lot of good work. His music is outstanding, and so I, I really hope you check him out on SoundCloud, on Spotify, uh, across wherever you you find music. That's where he's at, and, and check him out, follow him, and support him. Um, it's it's really important for us to support support other indigenous artists and musicians. Uh, he is one to get behind and follow. He's, he's got a great career ahead of him, and so I'm rooting for him. So, Stuart, thank you again for this. Uh, this was fantastic. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important perspective from our community. So please, join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Month, Native American artists on Facebook, Instagram, across social media, and the plainsart.org website. There you can find our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. So, if you have a suggestion for someone for me to talk to, uh, let me know. I'd really like to hear from you. Oh, and one other thing, if you're still listening, um, hit me up on uh, 5scaryquestions at gmail.com. We're doing our Halloween special this year, and we're reaching out to you, the listener, to hear your story. And so message me the number five scary questions at gmail.com and we will um, we will be in touch. So all right, thanks. Uh, we'll be you take care. <laughs> we'll see you next time. This has been an Eleven Warrior Arts production.